We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I hope everyone had a happy holiday period and a happy new year uh, because we are coming back to you after we actually took a week off, Mike. And uh, it was not not entirely (laughs) planned. It was nice to have a week off for the holidays for sure, but it was more because of travel restrictions for you specifically, Mm -hmm. which I think were... um, affecting a lot of people <laughs> over the past week yep. so we are back and uh we have a lot to talk about yeah i mean we on this feed we have yet to talk about the fact that devin booker will be out for four weeks i don't know if there's a lot for us to add at this point other than it's going to be a tough stretch without devin booker we did hear recently that cameron Payne and landry Shamit should be back that means the team is the closest to being whole that they have been since basically the start of the season outside of the most important player, uh, which is unfortunate. And I do think that we could have a quick conversation. I know we talked about this a little bit on the Patreon podcast, just about where they are right now and what could happen. Because uh, we do have some, it's New Year's Day when we're recording this right now. And we do have some things we want to talk about related to that. Um, But before we do that, the Suns are currently right now in the seventh seed with a record of 20 and 17. In their last 10 games, they've won four games. Uh, they're four and six in their last 10. Struggling particularly on the road. They're still 14 and five at home. How crazy is that? Um, six and 12 on the road. More road games recently. They're currently in the midst of a six-game road trip. Knowing what we know now, which as of recently is that Cameron Payne, Landry Shamit back. Cameron Johnson's still not back. There was a brief glimmer of hope when he was listed as a game time decision on the NBA app, which the <laughs> Phoenix Suns team quickly rebuffed and said that that was not true. How long um, did that? But how long did that last for an hour <laughs> before? I think they I had it? about I think I had about thirty minutes of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before James Jones and Monty Williams stripped it away from me. He's coming, um, but but he's coming. Yeah, at his I, own that's pace. What we, right. And before Devin Booker, it seems right. That's something that I think we can 
we can say yeah well it's at been this point it's been pointed out by others in the in the sun's media sphere and you just we've gotten limited information up to this point about cam johnson but you look at that information you look at the one to two month timetable that we kind of had to work with and he's coming right up on that two month date um so yeah i mean everyone heals at a different rate and i think the suns have every reason to be super uh, cautious with him after mm-hmm. seeing what happened uh, to Devin Booker. The fact that he came back, played four minutes, and reaggravated his injury. Uh, so it might take might take a little while, but um, I would anticipate that little while being a couple of weeks or a few mm-hmm. weeks at most. I don't I don't really anticipate it being something that keeps him out. You know, until uh, basically until the time when we're expecting Booker to return. Yeah, I think what will be interesting to see is like if they were all healthy except Devin Booker I actually think they could play pretty well I think Chris Paul you know as much as he's struggling I think the Suns are struggling in the clutch you know a lot of that has to do with you know just not being whole Devin Booker not quite being himself or not playing and but Chris Paul has kind of started to put it together he's had some good games over the last 10 or so games shooting relatively well still not looking like his self as far as creating his own buckets but doesn't look as uh, hampered as he did early in the season. He starts putting it together. They get Cameron Johnson back, depending on how Cameron Johnson looks. If Cameron Payne's back and starts to play well again, I think they could do pretty well. But right now, they're not so far out. I mean, technically, they're in the play-in range. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. right now, yeah. they're in the play-in range. And who's, I think um, as a matter of fact, that they, who's mm-hmm. eighth? Uh, do you have the standings open? The Trailblazers, 18 and 17, right right behind the Suns. Same in the loss column, two two wins less than the Suns. I would actually, yeah, I would still take the Suns over the Blazers in a in a playing game if it played today, I think. But but yeah, there aren't, I mean, I think I thing, would. Dev, uh, you know, Devin Booker, it'd be a, a challenge who gets hotter, Devin Booker or Damian Lillard in that game, I think, at this point. But the Suns, outside of their two stars, I think the Suns are much better mm-hmm. uh, put together as a team if they're healthy. Behind the Suns, the the Trailblazers, the Warriors, the Jazz, and the Timberwolves, the ones sort of nipping at their heels right now are the Trailblazers and the Warriors. The Warriors have won four in a row. The Trailblazers are 5-5 five and five in their last 10, so they're not quite as much of a, a, a scary prospect. The teams that sort of passed up the Suns at this point, the Clippers and the Mavericks, the Mavericks, mm, the Mavericks are, are on the hot, second longest winning streak. streak in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Six wins in a row. It's hard uh, for the Mavs. It's hard. You were joking. And I, I think at the discord, <laughs> you know, it's just like Luca's, I mean, the MVP narrative has begun and you know, I can't say at least at this point that uh, it's too, it's too early to really talk about it. It's just like, it makes sense. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. He's having incredible games. Kind of sucks yeah, that he's, he's been unbelievable. He had a 60, 20 game. It, it just sucks <laughs> that. And this is what you were saying. And I agreed with like, it's hard to enjoy. It's just from the sun's perspective. <laughs> we have multiple reasons to not enjoy it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just hard to enjoy Luka Doncic, uh, as yeah, spectacular the, as he is, um, putting on my most objective cap there. So yeah, but no, there's, they're, they're, there's of course the great. playoff. There's the playoff thing, and then and then the, the jersey that he's wearing, depending on your perspective, is is the wrong one <laughs> for Suns fans in a lot of ways because you just kind of go, oh man, he's scoring sixty points with twenty rebounds. That uh, would be nice uh, for the Suns, but yeah, that they, they're right there. I think I think they can continue playing pretty well too. I mean, a lot of it is on Luca's back still. He's had sixty point games, fifty point games multiple times. 
in the last few weeks and you know wondering whether or not he can keep it up right now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to doubt he's it's hard to doubt anything there yeah. but if he's hurt obviously they could free fall pretty fast sure and, and there's just no no way of knowing whether or not that's gonna happen he I think doesn't they can continue to win games he doesn't have a particular injury history but of course this is the this was the entire thing we were talking about with Devin Booker uh, on a slightly different scale, but but still, I mean, Booker had multiple 50-point games to open up the season, and we were yeah. talking about the entire time. Both of us were nervous. Uh, are you putting too much of a load on him? So, yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. there's always that question. Um, with Luca. kind of coming back to the Suns, though, so I think, like you said, we're getting campaign Landry Shamit back likely tomorrow. Yeah. Cam Johnson next couple weeks, we hope. And then, uh, let's see, who else is, is there... No one else is, everyone else is back except for obviously there's no Jay Crowder trade, right? Because right. Okogi yeah. was injured briefly, he came back. Jock Lando was injured briefly, he came back. Uh, so otherwise, we, we've got a full slate, but... January other, 15th, right in the middle of that. The, yeah, it's, that's, also, that's also true. We're not talking about that today. We're not, we're moving on for that today. Um, maybe next week. We'll see. We'll see how bad yeah. it gets. It's two weeks next from week. today, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, so the other little nugget to throw in there, though, is that between now and the end of January... The Suns have an incredibly hard schedule. They they just factually do. Um, so if they can get everyone except for Devin Booker back, how good of a basketball team are they? Yeah. Might be a 500 basketball team. Might even be an above 500 basketball yeah, I team, think honestly. They, I think if, yeah. If, but, they, if they're all looking good, yeah. I think they could play over 500, yeah. But on the other hand, yeah. you're going to play the, uh, the Grizzlies two more times. You've split mm-hmm. so far. You did a really great job in the last game, but not yeah. an easy team. You're going to play the Nuggets. You're going to play the Nets. Mm-hmm. The Cavs um, twice. You're gonna play the Cavs twice. You're gonna play several. You're yeah. gonna play several of these 500 teams that you were kind of talking about, who are nipping on your heels. You know, teams like uh, Golden State is in there, Indiana's mm-hmm. in there, Miami's in there. Uh, and and on the flip side of all that, there are only really one or two kind of gimmies in the entire schedule. There are only a couple of games you look at. They played Toronto uh, on what day of the week was that? What day of the week is uh, it now? Tuesday. Yeah, they played Toronto <laughs> yeah. on. Wednesday or something yeah um and that was one of their only sub 500 opponents of the entire month of January and they lost that game in fact they lost that game in a really Mm -hmm. in bad fashion and Mm -hmm. now your only opportunities to do that for the rest of the month are you've got the Timberwolves and you've Mm -hmm. got one game against the uh Charlotte Hornets which is maybe a team you can beat up on but this is not gonna be easy even if you're confident in the ability of these players without Booker to to put together some sort of collective force you have to prove it you have to prove it against like contending basketball teams night in and night out, and that's going to be taxing. I mean, even the bad teams have good nights too, and and it just takes a good night of a bad team to beat the Suns in their current state. Uh, Timberwolves, by the way, they're awful. <laughs> They've <laughs> lost six in a row, and they're just if you follow some of the quote the post game quotes of that team, it's kind of fascinating to see that slow train wreck that they've become. Uh, they seem to all just dislike each other at this point, but yeah, hopefully the Suns can win that one because that would be. Satisfying. I know you're you're relishing that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I just love it. I I just think it's funny because I just think everywhere Rudy Gobert goes, there's some level of like personal dysfunction in the locker room, and that's got to say something about him. Uh, that's that's not necessarily related to the basketball court, uh, but we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, it'll be interesting to track. Obviously, we're going to follow all of that. But because it's the new year, it's New Year's Day, once again, as we're recording this today, we wanted to just sort of take stock a little bit, 
and talk about some New Year's resolutions for the new Suns owners. I wanted to specifically relate it to the ownership group because ultimately it's funny how it went. The They announced the Suns are going to be sold to Matt Ishbia. We had one podcast about it, 40 minutes, and we haven't really talked about it since, uh, you and I. So I thought this sort of turning over into the new year would be a good opportunity to talk about what we want out of this new ownership group in the form of New Year's resolutions for Matt and Justin Ishbia. Um, how do you feel? You um, got a list? Yeah, I've got a list. Apparently not as long a list as you have. <laughs> as you told me. <laughs> I wrote down 10 things. I threw together some notes. So yeah, I think I'm, okay. I think I'm prepared. Let's go. There's one really obvious one, right? Uh, yeah, it's number one on my list. Are we talking about the G League team? Yeah, it's got to be the G. That's the first place yeah. to go, right? Yeah, I mean, we go we, ahead. We talked. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's the same old spiel. Um, as I think most people know at this point. Uh, but in case you don't, the Suns are the only team in the NBA currently without a G League affiliate. And uh, I don't know. I guess it's an endless debate about does that matter? Does that not matter? I've always been of the mind, and I believe you've you've been right there with me, of course, too. Just that. If you're going to go all in in terms of truly investing in your product and truly investing in um, your your developmental program and creating a sustainable environment that like creates something out of nothing, essentially, right? Finds unknown talent, these diamonds in the roughs and, and, and in the rough, and um, develops them into something playable at the NBA level, potentially even like you know for playoff rotations. Uh, you need to invest in a G League program in order to do that, and the Suns have simply gone in the opposite direction of every other NBA organization uh, over the past several years. So it is high time to bring back some G League version of the Suns. Now, where I think it gets interesting, uh, as we've also talked about in the past, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily need to be in the form of the Northern Arizona Suns. Yeah. Uh, there is, I've pointed out, a G League team currently active, the only G League team that is unaffiliated uh similar to how the Suns are unaffiliated, because the Suns are unaffiliated, you could say, uh, in Mexico City. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that would be really interesting. I think it's something to look at, but uh, I would also understand if the ownership decides to go for something a lot more simple and puts a team in northern Arizona again or or maybe even closer to the Phoenix metro area. I'm not sure. Um, I, uh, I Funny enough, I had a uh, conversation with somebody that works, t- uh, works for the Cleveland Cavaliers recently, about that. I think we briefly touched on it on a podcast in the past, but Cleveland's team, their G League team is in Cleveland. Um, and what it does for them is it allows their G League guys to access NBA resources. They don't have to create a whole other practice facility. They can just utilize the practice facility of the Cavaliers. They can use the same exact stuff. They also have guys who are say rehabbing, for example, yeah. that need to practice with the G League team and they don't have to go somewhere else. They just stay in the city that they live and rehab in the city that they live in. And I think for a lot of them, um, when they had it there, they just like it more. So as a team, I think it just makes more sense. But my uh, my be- rebuttal be- is that Mexico City is really cool. And yeah. <laughs> um, and you could create these supercharged because it's what's the altitude there like seven thousand feet. If you yeah, think it's really high, if you think Salt Lake and Denver, Colorado are bad, uh, you could create these like supercharged basketball robots with superhuman lung capacity essentially by <laughs> by training them, molding them in the fires that are 
uh, Mexico City. I'm being a little dramatic, but I think that would be well, fun. The- I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, too. And you know who that would really benefit, though, what you're saying about if you just mm-hmm. had a G League team in Phoenix? Um, well, first of all, where would they play? You have to figure know. that out, right? Like. Put him, put him in a high school gym. Nobody, nobody goes. Nah, come on. You got, you got to be a little bit more fair than that. I mean, you should know. The I think Phoenix it would venue. be nice too for guys learning how to cover the league to be able to just go to G League games that easily as well. Oh, I know they really yeah. appreciate it. It's a lot where a lot of guys get their start is because yeah. the G League teams are, are typically just happy to have media coverage. Yeah. Um. What I was gonna say though, it would really benefit the two way players. I mean, imagine yeah, being absolutely. A t- imagine being a two way player. The Suns, to their credit, are at least still using their two-way spots over the past couple of years, but they use them in an entirely different way from other people. The way James Jones has been using his two-way slots is to pluck, maybe with the slight exception of Dwayne Washington Jr., where maybe he's a little bit younger. But for the most part, it's about plucking guys who are older, who have been overlooked, maybe they're 25, 26, 27, haven't gotten off to an NBA start yet, and giving them an opportunity to work their way into an NBA rotation. Again, that's fit for the playoffs. That's fit for a contender. The way a lot of other teams look at these slots is they want to take young guys who, if you think about it, would have maybe been the 61st or the 67th uh, or the 62nd pick in a draft, but just missed the cut. And they use it as a, as a developmental tool, which is a great thing. Uh, but then those guys have to bounce back and forth and back and forth between the affiliate and the big league club. And yeah, it would solve a lot of issues by just if that, bouncing back process was essentially a a 10 minute drive or even using the same facility there i know we're preaching to the choir here but there is zero reason the suns should not have a g league team other than being cheap it's the only reason and when i was considering this and you know we've had this conversation before i decided to try to look up some players to try to illustrate the importance of a G League team. There was a player on the current reigning champion team that was on in the G League relatively recently. Do you know who that is? So a Warriors player? A Warriors player. Um, it's going to be obvious as soon as I say it. Okay, say it. Gary Payton. Ah, uh, yeah. No, no, no. That is obvious. Yep. Gary, Gary Payton the second. Yep was on the G League as early as just like two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Right. And and the Warriors developed him, and he was de- he was on a multiple G League team. In fact, he's been called up to the NBA multiple times in the past and then ended up on the G League team with the Warriors where they saw something very specific about his skill set, which often happens with these G League players. They're not just stars. They're just some guys that do something really specific that they need, and they're able to call him up. And then he played a huge role on a championship-winning team just last year. And that's Gary Payton II, and that's an opportunity that the Suns would not have had if they didn't have a G League team, which they currently don't. By the Another, way, mm-hmm. um, just as an aside, Gary Payton has not played a game this year. He's been injured. Uh, is supposed to make his debut soon as another guy who you talked about how the Warriors are on a four-game win streak, five-game win streak. Something like uh, that, yeah. Steph's coming back soon, and they've got... I mean, I'm not going to pretend that Gary Payton is... Well, one Gary of, Payton's on the Trailblazers now, I believe. Oh my God! Yes, he is. Oh fuck! But another team that <laughs> another team that's right on right behind the Suns. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, I so totally forgot about that. He is on the Trailblazers. If we're gonna do a and quick he got, aside, by he the got way. paid. He got paid too on that contract. Didn't I he? think I totally he's on like an MLE that. level contract. Yeah. Well, that's getting paid for a two way uh, for for a for a G League guy. But real quick on him, there are rumors that he has been healthy and has not been yet allowed to play, and that it's possible that the Trailblazers are holding on to him to trade him. 
which by the way sounds a little familiar that's all i'll say uh for the suns by the way i'm just saying they make a similar amount of money i'm not saying gary payton's going to be on the suns uh as early as you know next week or something like that but jay crowder would look pretty good in a trailblazers jersey yeah he kind of makes sense on their team another player that was a g league player that won a championship pascal siakam Mm, yeah they're full of we keep talking about pascal siakam this is a guy who they drafted sent him to the g league to develop he won a g league champion and was the finals mvp on a g league championship team and then came to the nba two seasons later in the nba he won a championship with the raptors in the nba it's kind of wild to see that happen as easily as it happened with the raptors but that was just a team that had the opportunity to develop a player who was pretty raw. And then he became, I mean, right now is considered, uh, he's an all NBA player. He's third team all NBA last year. Mm-hmm. And that's how good he is right now. Uh, one, one more player. There have been four players in the history of the NBA to win a championship with three different teams, Robert Ory, John Sally, LeBron James, and then the fourth one is a player who played in the G League. His name is Danny Green. Mm, And Danny Green was a player that was developed in the G League and then became an NBA champion on multiple different teams. Other champions too. J.J. Barea played in the G League. Seth Curry. The Suns had an opportunity with Seth Curry. And these are guys that are just great examples of players that if you have a G League team, you're more likely to find... And if you don't, you're just really unlikely to find them. And I want to give the Suns some credit here. I think they've done a really good job with the two ways. I think Dwayne Washington Jr. is an excellent two-way player and an excellent signing for a two-way player. Uh, you know how high his ceiling is will be. You know how high you feel about his ceiling will be dependent on just how you feel about him as a player. But he single-handedly of that, won games this year. <laughs> yeah, one or two. Regardless games. of any of that. <laughs> You could just see it, right? It's just you could just see that there's a bunch of skill there. Yeah. And he's signed to a two-way deal as a young guy, and that's a good signing. And then outside of that, Ish Wainwright, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's you know, this guy's obviously not like a, an all-star or anything like that. But Ish Wainwright signed with a very specific set of skills to be the kind of player that the Suns don't have outside of him. And uh, you know, they've done a good job with that. And I think, you know, James Jones has said it before. He valued the G League until it was sold, and then he had to pretend like he never cared about it in the first place. Yep. And I imagine with a new owner, this should change. And I thought you know, that was going to be the one that was an obvious overlap for the two of us, so I did a little bit more uh, research. research. Kicked my ass here <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Ish, by the <laughs> way, I want to give Ish some credit, and, and the Suns get credit for this too, but just working on the right things with him. Um, We don't get a ton of opportunities to talk about Ish because, truthfully, like he's not relevant on a week-to-week basis. But yeah, and maybe we we care a little bit more than right. (laughs) I mean, look, somebody like him. We're terrible at appealing to the the so-called casual fan or whatever. (laughs) I love Ish. We're leading this podcast essentially with 15 minutes of G League talk. You know how our numbers uh, are going to be off the charts here. But uh, no, (laughs) Ish is uh, he's really worked on his shooting. And you can really tell this year. I mean, he's just statistically, he's up to 39% on threes. Uh, still only 2.3 attempts per game, but obviously he doesn't play a lot of minutes. Um, but he, he's sped up his shot release as well. There have been some threes in recent games where he basically has to catch it 
um, in, in a really narrow shooting pocket and with essentially no dip is still able to fire it off and makes it. Uh, and this was a guy who was essentially a complete non-shooter last year. Uh, so, you know, even if it's just baby steps, small stuff like, you know, starting out, focusing on the corner, slowly working your way um, around the perimeter and up towards the wing, he's getting there. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know if there is going to be a roster spot for him uh, come playoff time, if the Suns do make the playoffs, that is. But, uh, but yeah, he's he's definitely developed quite a bit um, thanks to that two-way program in general. It's just he's he's made perfect use of exactly what that program is designed to do. Yeah, and the Suns have like really needed. Two oh yeah, guys. Yeah, I recently. mean, I, they've you know they need Ish Wainwright minutes right now. Like if it, if it weren't for him, we'd be playing. I don't know Dario Saric twenty five minutes per game over the past couple mm-hmm. weeks, and look, you know, mm-hmm. like that that would be fine too, I guess. But it's not very inspiring. So it, he's him and Dwayne have been playing real minutes, um, and even if it hasn't resulted in a lot of wins, it's resulted in a couple. They're doing their best, so. They outscore teams with Ish Wainwright on the floor more than they get outscored. And I think he, you talk about his shooting, and I think it has gotten better. I mentioned early in the season that his defense looked bad this year. It's also gotten better. I think his team defense is getting better. He's fouling less. He's moving his feet a little bit better. And I just think he, you know, it would make sense to have a G League team when the Suns are healthy to send him down there to work on those kinds of things. And uh, we'll see if that ends up happening. I have another one. Related to this format, Ishbia and Justin Ishbia, um, expand the scouting department. This is a big one for the Suns in general. You talk about having a G League team. Well, you know, they've struggled in the draft too. You know, whether it be even just valuing a draft pick uh, in a way that just allowed them to trade it for Landry Shamit, you know, with Landry Shamit playing relatively well before his injury. Um, but you know, even still, sometimes it would be good for the Suns to draft a player and then develop him slowly so that they have some level of salary. But when you have a G League team and you have a really expanded scouting department, it's almost doubly important when you have a roster full of people who have huge salaries, which is something the Suns currently have mm. because Devin Booker is on basically a, a massive max deal. DeAndre Ayton is on a max deal. Chris Paul, assuming he is still on the Suns next year, which I do at this point, will be making $30 million. Cameron Johnson is up for an extension. Mikael Bridges is making over $20 million. All of this combined puts them well over the salary cap, and that means that they have to double their efforts to find players who make a small amount of salary who can contribute. And yes, they've done a pretty good job of that. I think the majority of their either like we're talking about with the two ways or even their minimum contract guys like Damian Lee, for example. Damian Lee and Akogi, yeah. Guys Damian Lee and Akogi, they're, they're doing a good job, yeah. Uh, but it's just something that I think if they had more resources, they could do even better. For and sure. as I talked about with James Jones talking about the G League team while well, we had one and talking about how important it was compared to him talking about... Uh, how they didn't need a G League team after they sold it, I think is very similar to the way he talked about how he's okay only having six guys in the front office. I don't know if that's true or if he's just carrying water for an owner that will now be gone and he would prefer to have an expanded scouting department, but I think it would be pretty good for us to have one. What do you think? I agree, and I think broadly speaking, in the broadest sense possible, what you're talking about, the common theme between this, low draft picks and, and G League talent, we're, we're talking about extending the life cycle of a contender, 
because every contending team has what I think you could refer to as a life cycle. And, you know, if you go back and look at, like, for instance, the Suns team, the last time the Suns were a contender in their history, which was the mid 2000s. And we talk often about um, kind of the death uh, in in their life cycle of when they no longer were really a contender. It was a, a similar pattern to where you had a few older veterans who were all high draft picks who eventually get to this point where they pan out, they develop exactly to the level that you want. You know, if you're Amari Stoudemire, if you're Sean Marion, if you're all these guys, Steve Nash obviously became an MVP later in his career. Um, but then you get to a point where you've got a lot of veterans, you've got a lot of um, high salaries. And if you don't put in the effort to pump that new blood into the system and to find because unfortunately this is the way it works in a business like the NBA, cheap labor who can at least be cheap on their first contract and then you pay them later. If you don't find that, you die. It's not a sustainable strategy. You're, you're going to have a veteran team that maybe has one or two cracks at, at a championship, um, but it's not sustainable. And, and, and that's going to be the end of your life cycle. We're seeing that exactly again with the Suns in 2022. They've got Chris Paul. They drafted Devin Booker a long time ago. They drafted Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, who they haven't paid yet, but they have to very soon, um, or at least make a decision there. All of these guys, very high uh, salary demands, um, already eating up the the vast majority and, and maybe even pushing you just by themselves, just through those four or five names into the luxury tax. Now, if you want to get any type of additional return on investment, you need to nail your late first round picks. You need to nail your second round picks. You need to find G League talent like all of these teams, the Toronto Raptors, the, uh, the Golden State Warriors, the Miami Heat, all of these organizations have done in the past, the San Antonio Spurs, um, because if you don't invest in that stuff, it's just it's just game over. You know, it's it's and, just not. And there's no salary cap. There's no salary cap for those kinds of uh, positions, right? Right. It's just you either hire them and spend the money that it takes to develop them, and that means scouting, and that means G League, and that means development staff, or you save money and you're not as good in the future. The Golden State Warriors in the 2019 draft had the 28th pick in the draft. You know who they picked? Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Yeah, if they didn't have Jordan Poole, no championship last year. Exactly. Steph, Steph's legacy, ruined, tarnished. <laughs> you know? Jordan Poole saved Steph the Curry's pick. legacy. <laughs> we, we, I mean, you know, we could say it. Yeah, the Suns traded the 30th pick for Landry Shamit. Look, and maybe that draft wasn't that great, but I, I brought up the draft to look at Jordan Poole in that pick. As I look at that pick, 28th pick was Jordan Poole. 29th pick was Keldon Johnson. 30th pick was Kevin Porter Jr. 31st picked in that draft, Nick's, Nick Claxton. Those are all you know, contributors. That's yes, the Suns <laughs> would do a lot better having any of those four guys rather than Landry Shamit at this point. And if they had proper scouting maybe they would pick one of those guys i'm not saying that it would have happened in the draft that the the pick was traded because i believe it was dayron sharp who was picked in the landry shamit place but maybe the Suns would have picked something somebody different and dayron sharp's good he's not like i'm not like kicking myself for not having sharp on this team uh instead of uh landry shamit but jordan bull keldon johnson kevin porter jr nick claxton there are guys who are picked Late in the first round, when you have late first round picks, which maybe they'll have a higher pick this year, but uh, late in the first round, that can contribute. And it just makes sense for the Suns to actually be prepared to pick those guys, even if they can't contribute right away, which is something that James Jones isn't always up for. But it is something that is important for them uh, to do. You got another one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it my turn? 
Yeah, you can go. Okay. Um, yeah. So my next one, this one's less, uh, you know, it's less related to the current team as it currently okay. is constructed or whatever. It's more about, um, well, I just wrote it, invest in the local community. And um, I like that. Yeah. I mean, the way that I, cause I wanted to talk about this at some point and I wasn't sure if it would fit more towards the beginning or the end of the episode, but I just want to make the greater point of when you come in, you've bought the Phoenix Suns and you've bought the Phoenix Mercury. It's about more than just, even if this hasn't always been the way that this organization or these organizations, plural, were treated in the past, maybe they were treated like a cash cow. Uh, ideally, we're not, we don't want you to come in and, and treat these two teams like a cash cow. Even just keeping the teams in Phoenix is not necessarily enough to satisfy me in that regard, if that makes sense. Like, great that there will continue to be basketball in Phoenix, but it needs to be basketball in Phoenix that serves the Phoenix community. Um, and I, I actually want to check, not that this is a box that has been entirely checked off by them al already or whatever, but I want to give credit to the Ishbi as, as it relates to this, because already what it's all about is about mm -hmm. creating an unparalleled basketball community in Phoenix that is just as strong as any basketball community in the country, right? And already what the Ishbias have done, um, they, they haven't even turned over the ownership yet, right? The ink isn't even on the paper. Uh, and already it was announced um, Dave King, I want to give a shout out to him, the managing editor over at SB Nation's Bright Side of the Sun. Uh, he partners with the Phoenix Suns organization, and for the past several years at least, I don't know exactly how many, they have done what is called Bright Side Night, where they send um, through uh, reader donations to Bright Side of the Sun, they send a certain number of underprivileged youth to their first Suns game. They usually do it sometime, you know, in like January or, or, or February, sometime around the midseason point. The Ishbias have already announced that they are down, uh, donating $100,000 to that cause. That will be enough to send, I believe it's 7,000 um, underprivileged youth uh, to their first Suns game this year. It's, it's going to be sometime in the next few weeks. I forget exactly which game it is because I don't have it um, just in front of me. But already is exactly the sort of investment that I am talking about. Uh, just coming in and immediately in good faith showing kind of this investment in the local community. And, and so, you know, the other thing I would say here is some of the more cynical among us would say, well, of course, they're, they're going to come in and do that. They essentially just want to buy good PR. And my response to that would be, of course, that that's what they're doing. They're buying good PR. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we should be above calling a good deed a good deed. And so I want to give credit to the Ishbias that they already came in and already showing that they can just impact the the community in in you know so many different ways here uh, i think that's an excellent one and i think shouting out that donation is great because regardless of what you think is or their motivation was it's just cool to give that opportunity to a bunch of kids and uh it's really awesome that that they did that and i think investing in the community is the right way to put it I put something as simple as I think he should move. They should move to Phoenix <laughs> and I understand they have businesses elsewhere. Uh, but I would like an owner that lives in Phoenix. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's wrong. Uh, but I do think that, um, he, uh, being Matt did say that he had no plans to move to Phoenix. And I think part of that is related to the fact that he has a lot of employees and they built this big campus for their mortgage business in Michigan and uh, I don't think it would be wise to say I plan on leaving when you have that big giant business mm -hmm. in Michigan. Um, so to be fair to him, I understand why he said that. Um, but I do think that being part of the community probably would help with paying back the community. Do you feel in, um, in a lot of ways? Do you feel the same way about me? 
Uh, yeah, I do, think you. Uh, do yeah. you uh, are you requiring <laughs> that I move to Phoenix too? I think you should donate a hundred thousand dollars to Brightside right now. I <laughs> will. I will get on that as soon as uh, as soon as I can work together a hundred thousand. By the way, here's our weekly plug. If you want to donate to the Patreon, no. <laughs> It's only three dollars a month to join the Discord. If we get um, thirty three thousand more uh, people in there, then then I'll make that Between donation now and straight next away. Month, yeah, we could we could donate a hundred thousand if thirty three thousand people join our Patreon for sure. Um, but yeah, I think you know, just living in Phoenix would be nice. It'd be nice to have somebody that understands the community in a deeper way uh, than somebody who lives far away. And look, I I don't know. I think for somebody like Matt and Justin, but let's just say Matt in in particular. Uh, I don't think he was trying to buy a team in Phoenix. I think he was just looking for the first NBA team that was for sale that was a good franchise. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix was that opportunity. And, you know, that's good and bad. You know, Robert Sarver's from Arizona or, or lived in Arizona for a long time. And, you know, it didn't benefit the Suns in, in many ways. Uh, so that doesn't necessarily mean anything negative about Matt Ishbia. But if you're talking about... Uh, you know, being a part of the community, there are ways to do that from afar. And, and I think they're starting to do that just by donating money. I am a little curious too, because uh, Matt in, in subsequent reporting after the uh, initial report sort of said that Justin will be one of the managing governors and a part of that. And part of me wondered if Matt will continue to live and work in uh, Michigan and Justin will be with the team more regularly because that was the impression I got from some of the uh, press that came out afterwards. And that does, uh, it's just kind of an interesting situation where he could be far away. Justin could be, you know, maybe he has a job that doesn't pay him as much as Matt <laughs> and he could kind of work for the Suns instead. So we'll see what ends up happening there. It'll be interesting to see. But I think that being a part of the community, as you put it, is very important. Uh, anything else on that one? Uh, no. Well, what do you got next? I have one that's related to Devin Booker, and it's it's two-part. I think it's really important for this ownership group to ingratiate themselves to Devin Booker and to talk to him and, and sort of understand the importance of Devin Booker's legacy to him and to Suns fans. But on the other side of that, I also think it's important to understand that Jeff, Devin Booker is not the general manager of a team, and you don't need to ask. You need to just build the right team around him. Of course, you can always ask a star player for input. You can always talk to them and make sure they're on board with the moves that you make. But NBA players are notoriously bad general managers oh, yeah. <laughs> as that, they're currently in the league. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, LeBron James is an interesting one. He, yeah. he kind of, if you believe that he was a catalyst for trading for Russell Westbrook, as an example, you know, you have to... Uh, Make sure that you do right by Devin Booker, but that does not mean that you need to allow him to dictate moves that are made What uh, on the team. Mm -hmm. What seed would the Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell core (laughs) be right now? Would it be better Uh, than seventh? That's interesting. That's interesting. Is that so does like that mean no? I mean, I guess that means no DeAndre, and unless you're trying to play the two center lineups, with yeah, Aiton probably not as well. So the defense would absolutely crater if you have Mikael Bridges. That would help a lot. Yeah, probably like the seventh seed. Yeah, but I would say better than the current Timberwolves because they don't have that grumpy Frenchman <laughs> on their team. Um, but yeah, not great, <laughs> not super great. Um, but I have another part of this. It's it's actually two of them that I'm going to combine here. Uh, 
I want Matt Ishbia to just pay the tampering fines and just tamper. <laughs> wow. I did not think of that. The New York Knicks tampered to sign uh, Jalen Brunson and this year. Yeah. Jalen Brunson this year. Now, the Knicks are having their best season in a long time. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, but had before this last 10, had one of their best stretches they've had in a while. Jalen Brunson is a huge part of that, and it's brought a lot of excitement and fun back to the New York Knicks. It also allowed, I think, somebody like Julius Randle, a major uh, topic of this podcast, <laughs> to thrive <laughs> because he had a point guard for the first time in his career, basically, or since LeBron James. Shocker. Uh, Absolute shocker that, that, anyway, I don't have to do it today. Yeah, but, point guards help, right? Yeah, yeah they help, like, especially bigger guys. Yeah. Um, but they were fined for tampering, and their punishment was a second-round pick. Well, I that's mean... That's nothing. I'm sorry. That's well, nothing. That's I know we're talking a little, about important a, picks. Yeah, it's a little at odds with what, <laughs> what we said in the first 30 minutes You're of the You're talking about the importance though. of picks, but if you can get a star player by tampering and it costs you a second round pick. Mm -hmm. It's kind of worth it. <laughs> I hate to say it. Yeah. And that means just, just, you know, all of this comes down to being able to put the right money up, uh, to, to make a competitive team, but players want to play with Devin Booker right now. I think that is a real thing. And I think that there is a possibility of Devin Booker becoming a little bit more of a recruiter as time goes by, especially as Chris Paul starts to uh, deteriorate into dust over the next few years. Um, but as that happens, it's important to, look, I don't want you to break all the rules. I don't want you to cheat or anything. But the reality of the current NBA is recruiting happens between players. And that means you kind of have to let it happen. And if you get caught, just pay the fines. <laughs> don't try and be uh, too too much of a stickler to the rules. Like I, I I think there's a chance that Kevin Durant was recruited here. I don't think that James Jones was surprised by the news that Kevin Durant wanted to play here. And I think Devin Booker had a little bit to do with that. Right now, it's possible that there's been some phone calls made to somebody named Kyle Kuzma, and Kyle Kuzma may want to play in Phoenix. Didn't and they all just these, uh, Didn't they just mm -hmm. go golfing yesterday together or something? Did I, they? I didn't see. I that. thought I saw a picture that that Kuz <laughs> and Book were on the golf course together. I, I could uh, be making see? that up. But, I don't know. Um, um, we'll start that rumor whether or not it's real. Yeah, I mean, um, if, if maybe it didn't happen, but I'm saying it happened. So quote me. Exactly. <laughs> the punishments are not bad for these kinds of things, and like for, sometimes the players that you get out of it are worth it. So we you also know. haven't seen the precedent yet. Like, has there been an owner or an ownership group that has been a stickler about it? I don't think it's happened. I think the it, rumors are that that. Uh, Danny Ainge was like that. Mm. That he, oh no, no, not Danny Ainge. Mitch Kupchik oh. was like this and refused to break any rules. And the the idea of that was that he was the only general manager like that, which put him at a disadvantage because he refused to talk to free agents before you were allowed to talk to free agents and didn't have any back channels to contact agents about players before they were available and things like that. So. Um, yeah, I think that owners kind of do that right now. I, I honestly, I think James Jones probably does too. Um, he's very good at pretending he's following all the rules though. And I think that's part of the job too. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, I guess paying the tampering fine if you have to is, is okay with me. I like it. I like it. All right. You got another one? Yeah. My next one is, uh, a little wordy. I'm going to have to figure out how i'm gonna explain this but all right <laughs> seek balance it's not that wordy seek balance in team building philosophy what i mean by that is 
there's a sitting duck uh, front office right now for for the Suns, a, a lame duck front office, if you will. We don't know what is going to become of James Jones and company. Um, maybe they're going to stay. Maybe they're going to go. Maybe more people are going to be hired alongside James Jones. We just we don't know. I assume they're having those conversations internally right now. We don't know, and we're probably not going to know until the off season. Um, I fully 100% uh, expect the Ishbias to want to hire at least some of their own guys, right? At least. Maybe all of their own guys. Yeah. As they start approaching what sort of basketball minds they want to put in the front office, I think it's interesting to think about the fact that right now in the NBA, there are essentially two types of executives, or at least two main types of executives that we have. One of them is what I think James Jones currently is. Increasingly, we're having former players enter these sorts of roles. And I think the established advantage in a lot of cases that players have is that it's a it's a human game played by humans. And who is better to understand the, the plight of the player than a former player themselves, right? Mm. These people who really understand what it means to be a player and who can who can connect with current players on a deeper level. Um, and, and furthermore, you know, beyond just kind of like trying to game the system out of them or anything, just like at a very basic level, it's important to treat your players. They're not just a product. It's important to treat them like human beings. I think we've very specifically seen executives come through the Suns front office in the past who mm-hmm. did not take that lesson into consideration and paid the price right. for it. Ryan right. McDonough, I think, I've is a main Hurt the example. entire reputation of the Phoenix Suns. Arguably. Right. Hurt the entire reputation, uh, reputation of the Phoenix Suns because he, he, he just saw every player as an asset. That's executive number one that you have, right? You've got those guys. Exe- Can I just quickly mention that sure. Justin Ishbia on Twitter follows Sam Hinkie? <laughs> okay. And, and this is... just want to quickly mention that. Executive number two yeah. enters, you know... Enters the I did stage. look up if Sam Hinkie went to Michigan State right away. That was the first thing I checked. Where he did didn't. he go? I think UCLA, somewhere in California. Yeah, no, uh, that that makes sense. Um, executive number two is a Sam Hinkie. Executive number two, you know, they, they go by many names. Analytics, uh, analytical people. Asset guys, yeah. Asset mm-hmm. guys, nerds, uh, water yeah, boys, sure. you know, <laughs> according to some. Some might call, Stanford. Some might call them what? Stanford. Yeah, Stanford, Harvard, Stanford guys, Stanford, Harvard, MIT, custodians, janitors, yeah. water boys. No, um, right. but yeah, I mean, they, they, these are people who bots, <laughs> bots. These are people who don't necessarily come from a, a basketball playing background, uh, but who are very established in their own field and who have been pushing the boundaries for many years now of trying to use analytics and 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 quantitative methods. Um, to push our understandings of of how you can best generate these advantages um, on an organizational level, right? I, I yeah. would I would also point out the fact that there's a, a smaller third group of people who I think are legitimately both. There sometimes you have people who come from a basketball playing background and are still yeah. fully fully on board with analytics. Steve Kerr, right? But I think it's that's a smaller group, and it's yeah. more common to find a guy who is more firmly in camp a or camp b it's the classic eye test versus stats thing my point yep. today is not to choose any particular side i hope that the ishbias give balance to the sun's organization because i legitimately think that that is the best path going forward now where that can get a little bit tricky is if you kind of have a split power situation in the front office 
where, I mean, say you had one James Jones and one Sam Hinkie and they had equal power in the organization could be the type of thing where, you know, people start to butt heads and maybe it, it all fall, falls apart and makes no sense. Um, but what I would just implore the new ownerships, or sorry, implore the new owners to uh, consider is just giving equal, not necessarily equal, but just giving that perspective. Every perspective uh, deserves some weight within the organization somehow. I think they need to take their analytics seriously. I also think they need to treat the players like human beings. And um, I think that's a, it's a fairly simple goal, to be honest, at the end of the day to achieve. I, that's, that's a really fascinating one. And yes, it did take a few words to explain, but I think for the yeah, right sorry. reason there. <laughs> no, that was good. And you know what? While you were while you were talking to, I did Google uh, to see if I could find any quotes by Tom Izzo about analytics, uh, just out of curiosity to see how he felt about them. Uh, Tom Izzo, anything. my favorite shot is the the one footed eighteen foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, I did just in that. Um, quick google i found a headline that says analyst tom izzo lost recruits because he wouldn't cheat hmm. uh so for for whatever that's worth uh that was kind of related to uh the last one that i just said there but i i am i am going to be interested you know often you think of these younger owners like uh i don't know who you can even point at i guess Lakeup is probably one of the younger ones, but you know Mark Cuban Le I think Cobb, was the youngest. As, uh, <laughs> yeah. as, as I called him in a recent podcast, people pointed that we out. We talk to a me lot, man. You can't get everything right. You can't get everything right. Um, but you know, you think of these younger guys as people who like analytics, but it, it you know. Well, I think a lot of it too is you have these. I mean, who's buying NBA teams? Billionaires. They're, which they're tech guys often, yeah. Sometimes they're tech guys, and there's an yeah. outsized proportion of these guys who are these eccentric types who it's not enough for them to own a team. Right. Uh, they under- want to change the game. They want to change the game. They all think, Light years they, ahead. They all think they're Billy Bean. And you know yeah. what? Sometimes, you know, one out of every 15 of you might be Billy Bean, but a lot of you are yeah. absolutely one not. One out of every 15 of you may have just happened to draft Steph Curry. Right. And that makes every decision you make seem a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Steph Curry, is, he kind of changed the game. I think you bring up a lot of good points there, and I, I want to just sort of add to that, that what I had written as related to that was just let the basketball people do their thing. And it's the first thing that we talked about when talking about Matt Ishbia. Coming from a basketball background is good in that he's going to really care whether or not the team is good. Now, overestimating how much his personal, uh, how much he actually affected winning with his decisions uh, could impact what he thinks about his decisions as it pertains to the Phoenix Suns. You know, we need him to understand that somebody even like James Jones uh, is going to be really important because of their experience and to to allow them to do their thing. We're talking about expanding the scouting department. Let the scouts do their thing. You know, don't go in there and text about uh, somebody like uh, Michigan State prospects every single time Mm -hmm. they have questions about that. I did hear a rumor, and this may or may not be true or may or may not be something that I should be bringing up on this podcast, but I did hear a rumor that Steve Ballmer has a... uh, burner account that he follows NBA people and then texts people in the uh, front office about players that he sees on Twitter. I, 100%, <laughs> asking what, I believe it. I 100% yeah. Believe it. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing that like 
And I'm sure they just go, yeah, whatever, Steve. Or, you know, like I think he can seems I, to let the basketball guys do their thing. Can but. I be honest? If I bought a team, I would do that too. Like, you know, like yes, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go to the like, I, I think I'd like to believe that if I was in that position, I wouldn't force anyone's hand on decisions. I'd like to believe that I'm that person. But would I at least like, you know, <laughs> stick my who nose? Do you in, think, who do you think made the DeAndre pick? Like, ultimately, mm, that's a good it had to have been Sarver, right? Well, I think there's a nine. It's the number one pick. Mm. It's the only number one pick he's ever had. If you're the owner of a team and the ultimate decision comes down to to you and what you say, you're going to make that pick yourself. And I don't blame you. I think that's if you're the owner, like I probably would, too. I think there's I think that's a good point. But also, I do think there is a legitimate chance that that they actually did want eight in any way. Um, but, but yeah, yeah I sure. can see it. I mean, it was close. I mean, we you can talk about it all you want now, but like it wasn't a clear cut situation for everyone uh, when it came to that draft. But like, I think that's the type of decision where if you're an owner, you're like, why do I own an NBA team if I can't even pick the number one pick right. <laughs> for my team? You know, make that ultimate decision. So yeah, I think you're right, but it's it's just not it's not on my wish list here. It's not on my uh, right new year's resolution but, for him, but, but you just gotta let him be do their thing to your point in contrast to that there's a difference between doing that and then if you've got the 28th pick and whoever your owner is yes. won't, won't shut the yes. fuck up about you know uh oh uh you guys should draft nick claxton versus jordan Poole or whatever you know like there's some yeah. things it's it's just none of your business stay out of it right you know yeah 100 percent. let us do our that's exactly right but i mean they, that, that's why it's important to have the guys you trust and i think that's why oftentimes these guys want to hire their own guys Right, because they're coming to a team and they're saying, "Okay, you don't want my input on this thing." Well, I barely know you. You know, I just got here. I just bought the team. Compared to, okay, I hired you. I trust you. I want you to make this decision. Okay, I'm going to stay out of it. That's a different situation for an owner. And you know, to that, I'm going to say my next one here. It is. It's don't be too precious, but also don't be dumb, <laughs> because because I think there is a balance there. That you know, like. You have assets. The Suns do have assets. They have all of their future first-round picks. They have Mikael Bridges. They have DeAndre. And if they want to make trades, they have potentially Cameron Johnson on a long-term deal as early as, you know, this free agency, but even just for the rest of the season. And they have all of that right now. And then they have a, a player that was playing arguably at a top 10 level this season in Devin Booker. Meaning they are now on the timeline of Devin Booker and need to capitalize on that timeline as quickly as possible. But you can't be too dumb, right? You don't want to trade too much stuff. You don't want to trade DeAndre and for somebody who sucks or, or for, for parts, if you will. You have to make the right moves at this point. But also, I don't think that you need to continue running this team back if you don't fully believe that it's going to capitalize on Devin Booker's prime. Mm -hmm. So you can't be too precious with these assets that you have and hold them real close to your chest as long as possible, the way arguably the Suns have done for the last two seasons. But you also can't just make a trade just to make a trade. You got to make the right moves. And I guess this is kind of the wish list for every owner of every team. For sure. But I do think it's a unique situation in that he's coming in to evaluate where they're at right now. And he's going to, you know, I'd be surprised if they didn't make some pretty big changes in this coming offseason. I I see. I see what you're coming at. I kind of have something sort of like this on my list, but I approached it a little bit differently in the sense that. I didn't say don't be dumb. I think I might be willing (laughs) to embrace more stupidity than you are. Uh, the way I, the way I put it is no half measures going forward. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. If a new chapter of Suns basketball is coming soon, 
I'm willing to embrace it. I just want to Sam Hinkie trading Devin Booker. <laughs> that's I see you would call that dumb. I would probably call yeah, that dumb I too. I would probably call that dumb too. That's that's too much <laughs> that's too much even for me. But no, I mean I mean like gutting the entire team outside of Devin Booker, that's a path. It's not the path I would choose, but honestly, it's if, not the if, path he would choose either. If, Devin if, Booker. <laughs> if, Matt, if Matt Ishbia hired someone who came in and did that, I would respect it. It would take balls. It would not be a half measure. And so I think, you know, obviously that's that's not the ideal path. The ideal path, I think, is you go all in on on starting to put some of these assets to use um, and really build a, a real win-now team around Devin Booker uh, while he's in his prime. Uh, but regardless, whatever you do, I can respect a little bit of eccentricity. You know, I, I just right, want... right. I just, just want, want commitment. You want commitment to the I bit. Want commi- I want commitment to the bit. If it's going to be a bit, <laughs> let's have a grand old time and laugh about commit it for the next three it. or four years. I well, just yeah, want you know to what? commit to a direction. Exactly. That was exactly, you're right, actually. You know, I wanted to argue with you, but, you know, thinking about the last 10 years of Robert Sarver, they were straddling two different things for like the first six or seven years of that. You know, there was this, are we going to take? No, we're not going to take. Are we going to try and win? Uh, we're kind of going to try and win, you know, but and not make trades. And It's so yeah, bizarre. Yeah, that's just no good. It's bad It's bad in the NBA to straddle <sighs> those things. You either have to go all in and trying to win or, you know, go the other way. But, like, sometimes you go all in on trying to win and the team just slowly gets better and better and better as it did the last few years for the Suns. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be immediate, but they were committed to it. And, yeah, I think there was some years with, with Robert Sarver in there where the Suns just had no direction. In in brief defense of not necessarily even Sarver, but just in, in defense of that strategy, I do think the really bizarre thing about the last 10 years of Suns basketball is the catalyst to uh, what is the Devin Booker era. The Suns got their best player that they still currently have today, not through tanking. They spent years tanking and they got some good, like some solid players out of that. They got Aiton Bridges and, and Cam Johnson in back-to-back years. Uh, but it was when they weren't tanking that they got the best player out of all of them, right? Yeah. So it's it's just kind of funny how it materialized. Uh, do you have any more sort of serious basketball ones? I don't have. I have one which I kind of was saving for the end. Um, okay, it's serious. I have a few ones, a few ones that are kind of quick here. Go for it. That I want to just uh, go through. Uh, number one, don't be a weirdo. Yeah, that's yeah. Should have said at the beginning. Honestly, just don't, just don't be weird. Just don't do weird stuff. You know, like it's not just not just treating the staff well. Obviously, we want you to treat the staff well. That's like it almost. I guess it has to be said <laughs> at this point. It should be something that goes unsaid, but it has to be said. Treat your staff well. But also, I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to get on this podcast and defend weird things that you say or do. You know, or just talk about. Well, and we, and just we don't, won't. Just don't be weird. We, don't be weird. We, we won't. <laughs> for the record, no, necessarily yeah, right. defend. Yeah. You know, because. You're yeah. not giving us immediate credentials, so we could say whatever the hell we want. There, there are <laughs> well, other people. We never asked. But <laughs> we never asked, but <laughs> he we might. Yeah, we wouldn't have gotten it. Um, yeah. There are other people who are bound to they, especially under the Sarver administration or, or whatever Sarver ownership, um, had to watch what they said because they yeah. were also covering the team. They were also going into the locker room, and it's a really, oh, yeah. it's a really scary and a really shitty thing, but also a very real situation that NBA teams can hold that over certain beat reporters or in some cases bloggers or other local media's heads of like, yeah. you know, we can control what you say and what gets out there because yeah. ultimately we control your access to the players. For us, I've always considered it very much an advantage that we don't have access to the players, if only because it means we can say whatever we want uh, with no restrictions. Yeah. Now, that being said, 
if the Ishbi is by a facial recognition software that is now going to ban <laughs> me from from the footprint yeah. center, so I can't go to any yeah. games, um, that would be unfortunate. But maybe that's it the is future. bizarre that. Like for the things that we've said about Robert Sarver, we would have been banned if it was about the Knicks. Probably. If it was James like Dolan, yeah, yeah, maybe we would have been we would have been banned from going into that arena. Uh, that's why I don't have my face online. No, I'm kidding. Uh, let's see. Let me do another one here. Uh, pay for your own stadium stuff. <laughs> this is something. This is probably not as far as New Year's resolutions go. It's probably not in the next year, and and probably no time soon. But if the Suns ever need some stadium renovations or a new stadium or something, just just buy it yourself. I don't want to have to pay for it out of my tax money. You know, are residents of Phoenix willing to do that? Yeah, I think probably most of them are probably fine, or like a large percentage of them are probably fine. But just do it yourself. I, you know, yeah, you're right. It is it is an ambitious one. Um, but one more, since that one doesn't require any analysis, that I just want to uh, bring up. Let me make sure I've done them all. Yes, I have. And this one is play the media game. Because I don't think that Robert Sarver did. Now, a lot of what we've attributed to the to James Jones about not playing the media game could actually have been Sarver related. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I can say, based on my reading of it, Adrian Wojnarowski and Robert Sarver were not friends, and they did not get along. And I think that I can be pretty confident in saying that that's true. Now. Compare that to how Woj talked about Ishbia on his podcast, Breaking Down the Suns. Sounds like a sounds like a guy who wants to establish a good relationship with a new owner. Oh, especially Woj. Has anyone inquired yeah. who um, Woj owns his mortgage through? <laughs> Whatever his home is. <laughs> have we have question. we have we not considered the serious power that the Ishbias might hold over? <laughs> for some very important people <laughs> like around the league. A large segment, yeah, of uh, of the NBA media. Um, the Suns as a, as a team, as a fan base, not super popular, not super popular, uh, right now with fans of other teams, uh, pretty, pretty well disliked, I would say. And as much as we can attribute that to a lot of different things, I think not playing the media game here a little bit probably has some impact on how people feel about the Suns. They, you know, fans of other teams, they're not following you and I most of the time, right? They're not following Kellen or Gerald and just hearing day-to-day stuff about the Suns. They're only hearing the bad stuff that goes viral. You play the media game right, right? You're friends with Shams, you're friends with Woj. You're getting some nice little uh, PR uh, directly to everyone's phones since everyone has notifications on for those guys if you play the media game right. Now, are there advantages to not playing the media game at all? Maybe. I haven't really quite thought through it because I'm not really sure that it has any impact on actual moves <laughs> that general managers make. I'm not actually sure. So part of me wonders if playing the media game right is entirely PR related, if it's entirely marketing related because then you get the stories in the way that you want them to be told out in front of fans in the way that you want them to be said so Mm -hmm. part of me wonders if it's entirely marketing related to play the media game now having a new a new owner that does not have all these previous grudges that existed within sarver to the extent by the way that there were rumors that he was unwilling to sell the team to bob Iger because he believed bob Iger in his position with disney affected espn writing the story about robert sarver in the first place so he refused to even entertain the idea of selling the team to Bob Iger. That's the kind of person that Robert Sarver is. 
So like a brand new owner without all those previous baggage, maybe all of a sudden you could play this media game a little bit better and get some uh, some good words about the Suns written in, in the future. What do you think? It doesn't make you feel... <laughs> I'm not questioning your particular morals or yeah, ethics yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever before. Yeah. So hear me out. But like... I don't know. I just I just feel gross about working with Shams and Woj in their current form. I mean, the Suns we've ha- we've seen them put out some pieces. You know who gets who writes a lot of the Suns stuff currently is Mark Spears because he has yeah. an established very good relationship with Chris Paul and he's written some very good articles over the years. But I agree with you. On the one hand, you need bigger weapons, right? You need more yeah. more power. Yeah, don't hate the players, Sam. Hate the game. Yeah, I mean, they just kind of <laughs> suck. The the two big guys, I'm just kind of cynical yeah, no, right now about, about the yes. state of big NBA media. But yeah, well, I think one of the reasons Suns fans were so mad about the state of NBA media is because it was constantly played against the Suns. I you know, can't, like we were on the receiving end of that. I can't fault you that it's definitely consistent logic, right? If you said earlier you want them to tamper, <laughs> then you also want them to play the media game. It's just, it's exactly don't hit the player. It's hit the, the game. game. It's just it's the, the system. Game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what's your last one? My last one is just what I would consider like the residual effect of if you nail all this other stuff, here's an added bonus. And that is make Phoenix one of the premier free agent destinations in the NBA. Yeah. Um, If you create this organization that now has a good reputation, you've got great weather. I know Suns fans don't like to hear this particular bit, but being an hour away from Los Angeles is a perk for a lot of players. And I think ultimately here, like what I would say is in uh, uh, attempting to achieve this in the first place, you're not competing with L.A. Don't think of it as we're competing with L.A., New York, maybe Miami. Those mm-hmm. are going to continue to be like the top four or five uh, or the top three markets in general in terms right. of attracting free agency. But the goal for the Suns, if the Ishbias nail all this other stuff, then when right. we're sitting here five years from now, once the dust has settled... I think it's an attainable goal for the Suns to be to to point at their organization and say, "Hey, we're more attractive than those other twenty six teams. We're right at the start of the second tier is where I think they could be, and um, that's that's just a good place to be. Just attract some free agent yeah. talent. We've never really seen that happen uh, in Phoenix, pretty much because of Robert Sarver. So, um, you know, <laughs> obviously there have been some good free agent signings over the years, but it's always been kind of like you know average to high level starter." type players and never true superstar talent so yeah make it happen yeah i think uh i think that's an excellent point and if we're talking about playing the media game talking about the suns as a potential free agent monster and i put that in quotes was a topic of adrian wojanowski over his coverage of the sale of the phoenix suns and post sale to matt ishbia that's something they talked about on his podcast with Baxter Holmes uh, so it's definitely something uh, that could happen I think it starts it's you know having a new owner is great and that that probably I think for a NBA player seeing an owner who is willing to invest matters that as far as like players that want to win but it starts with Devin Booker it 100% starts with Devin Booker so if you can find a way to capitalize on who he is right now in his prime over the next five years or so that is a very, very, very important thing. And I think that's a great one. That's a great one to, to end this one on. Uh, you got anything else you want to add? No, I think that's, uh, that's it for my list. Do you have anything else? One real quick thing. The Knicks game, for most of you today, you'll probably listen to this on Monday. That's going to be on playback. If you hear this before that, join us for playback. If you can't, 
Uh, if you hear this after that game, sorry. Uh, we'll try to do another playback game every week. This is a, this is a tough stretch, I think, to, to watch games <laughs> on playback. Uh, because, look, the Suns, what are they, like one in five in their last six or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's you a know, little bit tough. If you join us on the stream, you know what you're signing up for. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> you but know what least, you're getting into. Right, it'll be we'll be like that uh, that band playing on the Titanic as it as it sank into the ocean. Can always count on us, hundred <laughs> percent. I am here to fulfill my duty, and uh, yep, I know what it is. Um, last one I just thought of since I'm looking at all the injuries, maybe spend a bunch of money on the best training staff in the NBA again. Let's let's try and do that once again because the Suns do use a lot of uh, third party contract workers for a lot of the stuff they do, including the training staff and scouting by the way and bringing those guys in house and, and having the best one in the uh, in the world probably would help in situations uh like this so that's the last one i gotta add but thank you everyone for listening to us i hope you have a happy new year a great year and uh yeah we'll be back with a patreon episode midweek join us for playback if you'd like to join our patreon for future episodes patreon.com slash the timeline you can join for as little as three dollars to join the discord six dollars a month to listen to extra episodes but we appreciate you guys and we'll be back soon i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.